Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. Good morning. How we doing? We good? Everybody good? Raise your hand if you're doing good in God's house this morning. Okay, if there's somebody around you not raising their hand, they need a hug. So go ahead and give them a hug right now. Unless you don't know them, don't get weird. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, I love worshiping with you guys. Um, I read something recently, it was talking about, you know, how do you know if you have the right spirit of worship at your church? And, and one of the indicators is that the people actually sing that it's not just a team of people singing and everyone just kind of watching what ha- what's happening, but it's actually the people engaging and singing in worship. And so I love just hearing you guys lift your voices to the Lord as we're worshiping him. Uh, it's powerful. And you know what? The more that that happens in a room, I think that the more that honors the Lord and the more the Lord can move and work in those environments. And so uh, I love that, and I'm thankful for our worship team. Are you guys thankful for our worship team and our production team? They make these guys sound good. Well, uh, we started a series last week, and uh, it's all about finishing this year strong. And uh, we want you to finish this year really strong spiritually on, on, uh, because if you can finish this year strong spiritually, then everything else is gonna fall into place. Uh, and we want that just to carry momentum into 2023. How many of y'all would agree you want a better 2023 than you had a 2022? Anybody in the house? I know I do. And some of you guys are like, yeah, because it's stunk. Like, we're, I'm done. I'm ready to move on, you know? And uh, so we're talking about how do you do that? The reality is this. In order for you to move forward in a strong way, you have to be aware and you have to be willing to change some areas of thinking. And the primary areas you have to address is how are you looking at the future, okay? So if you wanna move into 2023 the way the Lord wants you to, then how do you do that? And we talked about that last week and we talked about you've gotta deal with the anxiety and the fear and you've gotta deal with the pride and you gotta deal with those things and submit those things to the Lord. And next week, we're gonna talk about, hey, sometimes you gotta deal with the past. Your past sometimes can create strongholds that are holding you. They're like bungee cords that hold you back and won't allow you to move into what God has for you next if you don't deal with it in the right way. But today I wanna talk to you about the present. I wanna talk to you about how do we stay in the present that God has for us. So I wanna look at the scripture, Ephesians 5, 15. Uh, This is the core verse for our church. It says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. Opportunity, okay? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That word opportunity in the Greek is the word keros, okay? And what it means is a favorable moment, okay? It is a divinely appointment, appointed time, okay? And it's very important for you to see, like there will be opportunities that present themselves in your life, but not every opportunity is from God. And what's important to see is that it, in the natural world, even as things are presenting themselves and even opportunities present themselves, Within and under the layer of those things happening in the natural are the supernatural. They're the spiritual things. And that God wants you to see the keros of your life, the favorable moments, the divine opportunities that he's given you, and to be able to walk in those moments, to seize those opportunities. But you have to understand that you have to be proactive with how this happens. How do you stay in the keros of your life because he wants to help you and he wants to help you walk in this. That's how you accomplish everything that God has for you, but it's by the leading of his spirit. This is how you stay in the keros. You have to walk with his spirit. A couple of verses about that. Romans eight fourteen. 
For as many of you are that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay, so the sons and daughters of God, how are we identified? How do we stay in connection with our identity in Christ? We walk by the Spirit. And even as believers, when we start trying to live on our own, with our own knowledge, with our own understanding, with our own strengths and abilities, but we stop walking with the Spirit, that's when we start having an identity crisis. That's when we start acting like we know who our father is. We start acting again like an orphan, like someone that's been disowned and away from their heavenly father. It's staying connected to the Holy Spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit that keeps us in that position as a son and daughter. It says in John 16, 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, okay? This is like ultimate truth, the real truth. Not what you see on the news, not what you're seeing on social media, the real truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit, the person of the Trinity that's here, the manifested presence of God, becomes this holy conduit between us and the Lord. And when we walk with him, we have this direct line of conversation. And it's a dialogue, it's not a monologue, where we get to hear from God for every single move in our lives. And the more that we submit under that, the more we draw and embrace that in our lives, the more we're gonna see the fruit of it. Before I talk about how to be led by the Holy Spirit, we also have to be aware of how we can miss the keros, how we can miss those opportunities. I miss Keros when I'm led by culture. I miss Keros when I'm led by culture. Romans 12, 2, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Over and over again in scripture, it talks about the way that you are transformed, the way that your mind is renewed, it's by the washing of the word of God. So, so often when you're getting in a place where your, your thoughts are all over the place, Okay, now whether it's distraction or anxiety or whatever it is, a lot of times when you start getting into that, you need to get back under the word. You need to get back connected with ultimate truth, irrefutable truth, because when you get back connected to that, whether it's your own emotion or your own feelings or the enemy bringing an attack against you, you'll be able to get re-centered back under truth, the real truth, the eternal truth. Get under the shower of the word of God and that'll help transform your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve, okay? You can't test something unless you know something is false and something is right. It's the word of God that helps you test, okay? This is from God, this is not. And approve the will of God. What God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect word. I don't know about you, but I wanna be right in the center of that. Right in the center of that. But it's difficult. Just to be fully present in today's culture is extremely difficult. A lot of it is because technology. Technology makes it to where we can be anywhere at any time, right? And some of that I appreciate. Like, I like watching the World Cup. So I appreciate that something's happening clear on the other side of the world that I can watch it. But a lot of times it becomes a distraction. And, and so much so that you're gonna be missing what's happening right in front of you. Okay, now that happens just like in the natural sense of things. In other words, you can be sitting at the dinner table with your family eating dinner, but you're checking on a score of a game happening in LA, not fully present. You can be at your daughter's dance recital, but texting somebody that's on a cruise halfway around the world, not fully there. You can be physically in church, but emotionally, and even spiritually, you're at Colton's eating those rolls. You're doing it right now, some of you. It's hard to be fully present. And if we're not intentional, if we're not careful, then culture winds up molding our focus of where our attention needs to be spent. And the reality is this is something that's been a struggle for thousands of years. The nation of Israel always struggled with this. They struggled with being distracted by other cultures around them. In fact, they wanted to be like those cultures and they let those cultures influence them and it created a tremendous amount of damage for them but also to the relationship with the Lord. It got them in a lot of trouble. And we have that same problem today. What drives so much of what keeps us distracted and in and influenced by cultures, we wanna be like everyone else. Because God's created in us to be accepted. We're just trying to find acceptance in all the wrong places. 
The reality is this. God made you to be holy. That means set apart. It means set apart. It means we shouldn't look like everyone else. We shouldn't operate like everyone else. And you have to embrace that if you're going to see the charis. If you're gonna walk in the favorable moments, those God-designed, ordained moments in your life. If you wanna fit in with the crowd, it'll definitely lead you astray every time. And by the way, not everything that the crowd is doing is bad or looks bad. But just because something doesn't look bad doesn't mean it's God's will. Just because something the world is doing is permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. Just because it's okay doesn't mean it's wise. Doesn't mean it's what God has for you in the caros. We have to be intentional with how we respond to culture. I miss the caros when I'm led by circumstances. Another way to say this is, I miss the caros when I'm led by my knowledge and understanding of the circumstances, like the way I see it. And I'm sure you've heard people say this, you may have said it yourself, all things happen for a reason. Must be the hand of God. I'm sorry, that's not true. That's not true. The word says that God will work everything to the good of those who love and are called according to his purpose. But there's a qualifier. Do you love him or are you walking according to his purpose? God desires that everything that happens in your life, regardless of why it happened or how it happened, his desire is that he wants to use it for your good. But we have to choose to allow and be submitted for him to work it for our good. Not everything happens because God does it. Not everything happens because the devil does it. A lot of things happen because people are dumb and they make dumb choices and there's consequences for dumb choices. So some people might say, well, you know, I'm really bummed, I missed my plane. Oh, how'd you miss your plane? Well, I got stuck in a traffic jam. Well, you got stuck, you, you don't know when traffic happens? Like, what happened with that? Well, I, well I, did, I woke up, I snoozed my alarm a few times. But it must've been God's will that I didn't get on that plane. I'm like, no, you're an irresponsible adult. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't get up when you're supposed to get up. So the rest of this happened. It's a bad hair day. It must not be God's will for me to even leave my house today. <laughs> well, the offering bucket didn't come down my row. I guess it's not God's will for me to give today. If you read your life according to circumstances, I promise you this, God or the enemy, Satan, will set you up for a disaster. I talked about this story a couple of weeks ago with Paul. He was arrested. He was going to trial. They had to sail to go to this trial. It was a bad time of year to sail on a ship and they wanted to go. Paul even had a vision from the Lord, like, hey, if we do this, it's gonna be bad. There's gonna be a shipwreck. But the word actually says that a gentle breeze came up and that's when they thought, this is exactly what we wanted. This is what we needed. And what happened is they wind up sailing right into a hurricane because this little circumstance wind up being the thing that drove their decision-making. And I've seen lives destroyed by the deception of a gentle breeze sent straight from hell. Where a situation, a circumstance shapes up in a way where we think, oh, this must be God. The problem is you weren't walking with the spirit of God leading up to that. And so it's guesswork at that point. You have to walk with the spirit to know if that's a keros or just a circumstance to know if it's from God or if it's not. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every situation, do you know what that word every in the Greek means? Every situation, all of them, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
Why? Because we need something we don't have without him. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how knowledgeable you are. There will be things that'll happen where unless you get peace, it only comes from God, you're gonna be in trouble. It'll guard your hearts, your emotions, your feelings, and your minds, your thoughts, and your intellect in Christ Jesus. I miss the caros when I'm led only by my heart. I miss the caros when I'm led only by my heart. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Okay, so the whole, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Dummy. How many of y'all seen people follow their heart and get into stupid situations? How many of y'all seen somebody follow their heart and get in a stupid relationship? How many of y'all seen somebody follow their, heart, follow their heart and make purchases that they can't afford and get themselves in bad situations financially? I've seen people follow their hearts and just about destroy their lives. Don't follow your heart. Follow the Holy Spirit that'll counsel you about your heart, about your feelings. Your feelings are temporary, every one of them. Even when I've had panic attacks before, those are temporary. It's a temporary feeling. If you're elated because you're at Disney World, it's temporary. If your team wins a big game or even a championship, guess what? It's temporary if it ever happens. And also feelings can lie to you. Sometimes I feel like eating Taco Bell. And I feel like I'm right until after. And then I realized I was deceived again. Your feelings will lie to you. You've got to be led by the Spirit. A while back, a guy left his wife and Here's the thing, there are no perfect marriages and there are no perfect spouses. That's why marriage is the embodiment of the example of Christ because Christ chose to love us even when we didn't deserve it. There will be times where you will have to choose to love that person that you're married to even if you don't like them. And they're gonna make mistakes and they're gonna do stupid things. And I'm not saying that they had a perfect marriage, but he was married to a pretty awesome woman. And so I asked him, I was like, why, what were you, why did you do this? And this is his response. Well, I felt like I was supposed to be with so-and-so and God gave me a piece about it. Honestly, I didn't know what to do. So I slapped him in the face. <laughs> I'm joking, I didn't slap him in the face. I wanted to slap him in the face, but I was a disobedient to God and I didn't slap him in the face, okay? I was like, that. You're saying that God gave you a feeling that was contrary to his word, to his character? No, that was straight from the pit of hell, a really bad pizza, but it wasn't a piece from God. God doesn't work that way. I find that a lot of times there's two places that your heart can live in that will trap you. First, the future. We talked about that last week. Anxiety, worry, fear, frustration, negativity. A lot of them are typically from the thought of the what ifs. And they're almost always birds in your feelings and also the past. If you live there, they're gonna trap you. We're gonna talk more about that next week, but here's a couple verses. Isaiah 43, 18, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Second Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Listen, until you die, your sinful nature, your flesh is going to have something to say. But when you are led by the spirit of God, God will always have the last word. Even when your feelings are yelling and screaming, when you make the decision, no, I'm gonna be led by the spirit, He'll ultimately give you direction. So how does the spirit lead? 
Let's go back to our main text. This is in the English Standard Version, Ephesians 5, 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Everybody say walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be selfish or do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the first thing he says is walk, walk. Okay, but if you're walking, it implies a couple of things, all right? First of all, if you're walking, it means the Holy Spirit has a destination for you. If you're walking, there's somewhere you're supposed to be going. You're not just walking in circles. You're not on a dead end street. And where is he ultimately taking you? Well, he's taking you to the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. When you start being led by the Spirit in more and more areas of your life, your life will get traction. You'll start feeling things expanding and growing and you'll feel the blessing on it. And you'll know what it's like when you can say, I'm at my best and the fruit and overflow of this is affecting everything and everyone around me, being led by the Spirit. You're going somewhere. There's also continuous motion. If you're walking, there's continuous motion. Someone might say this, you've probably heard someone say this, like, I've been walking with God for 30 years. I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. Well, that's kind of like a Southern religious phrase. But if you're walking, it means you don't stop. You don't stop. You continue to walk and serve the Lord. You know what the word serve in the Greek means? It means to kick up dust. Kick up dust. I love that. I love that. As Christians, we should be kicking up dust, not collecting dust. We should be constantly in motion, moving, serving, doing whatever we can to fulfill the will of God. But we gotta keep moving. Uh, we've got a new puppy. If you've ever had a puppy, trying to teach a puppy to walk with you is a challenge to say the least, right? Because even if you've got them on a leash, they're distracted by everything. They, they, they've got all their ideas of everywhere else that they want to go, right? Or they're biting at your heels, they're, they're, you know, or they just quit. They just decide, I'm not going to walk anymore. And then you drag them by the neck with their collar until you get to where you're going, you know? Just, it's tough. It's frustrating. Like we are, are our old dog, we went on a, a walk. It was a long walk. It was like five miles. And when she got into that, she just decided, I'm done. I'm not going to walk anymore. You know, and we're like, well, we're, we're the boss. We're humans. You're not. We've got to keep moving. But she was just done. She's just done. At one point we look back and she's literally just getting dragged <laughs> behind everyone. I do find that there are times when the Holy Spirit has to treat me like a puppy. Come on, James. Come on, buddy. You can do it. Come on. Come on, walk with me, come on. The truth is, he has to do that with a lot of us, all of us, at different points. Like, hey, stay with me, walk with me. We're going somewhere. We've gotta keep moving. We gotta keep moving. But you have to understand, motion with the Lord does not equal busy. And sometimes, and for some of you right now, the greatest motion with the Lord that you can do is to not do. That's why there's verses like Psalm 23 that we're very familiar with. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Do you really believe that? Like he's already, he's already giving you everything that you need because when you know that, he makes you lie down in green pastures. He, lie, he leads you beside quiet water. You can be refreshed. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And sometimes he will have you be still so that you can move closer to him. And that's still motion, but it's the right motion. And that's a word from the Lord for some of you. 
Because some of you, when the holidays come around, you click into the same mode of operation every single year where you are stressed and busy and running around like a chicken with its head cut off. And by the time you get to the day of Christmas, you have bypassed the entire reason for the holiday. And that is Emmanuel. God wants to be with you. And if you will slow down and maybe say no to some things, let him make you lie down in a green pasture. Then that movement towards intimacy with him will be more than enough of what you need to actually enjoy Christmas and what it's really about. Also walking with shows true trust. Walking with shows true trust because you're trusting him for every step. When I take a step, I'm now trusting this foot and leg to do its job. And I'm gonna keep trusting that foot and leg to do its job until the next one comes down. And by the way, I'm still learning to fully trust this foot and leg because I had surgery on this knee. And sometimes things happen in life where there's a hurt and it can be difficult to trust, but you still have to take the next step. You still have to learn to trust again. And I'm gonna trust that leg and that foot until the next step. And that is what God is asking you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. He's certainly not asking you to do that while you're looking backwards. And he definitely don't want, doesn't want you to do that while you're anxious, fearful, or prideful about what's so far ahead. That's why he says he's a light unto your, pie, your path, a lamp unto your feet. It's right in front of you. That's where he wants you because that is the greatest demonstration of trust. You can't walk with the Holy Spirit in the Keros without total trust. He's got you. He's got you. He knows exactly what you need. When you walk with the Spirit, you're saying, I trust God to help me with what I cannot do on my own. Because the moment you say, I got this, I'm good, he won't hang out around pride. The word actually says he opposes the proud. Like Heisman stiff arm, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When you depend on him, what it really does is it unlocks Holy Spirit to fulfill his assignment. And here's the payoff. The word of God comes alive when you read it and it'll help lead you. The church becomes a family and you'll find connection to brothers and sisters who will speak in your life and help lead you. And you will hear sermons and you'll think, man, that was for me, that was from the Lord. And you'll have his counsel. You'll have his counselor, the great counselor Listen, there won't always be a specific verse on every single subject in life. There are a ton of moral principles and direction in here, okay? But you're not going to read about Twitter and TikTok in here, okay? The Holy Spirit knew it was coming, but the authors of the word of God had no concept of it. And so that means you're gonna to have to walk with the spirit and based on the principles of the word of God, make decisions about what you're gonna allow yourself to be subjected to or your family to be subjected to and what you are not. You're gonna to have to make those decisions. What can happen is a lot of us can have a tendency to project our convictions on other people. And I'm not talking about things around morality because there are clear things that are right and wrong according to the word of God. But there are some things, they aren't as clear. We may have a conviction about it. And so we're like, you need to have that conviction too. You're responsible for you to be led by the Holy Spirit and to respond to his conviction. And you can trust God to give them conviction. And as your pastor, I can't be the deciding vote on the things God wants his spirit to vote on for you. You're gonna have to be led by him. And there's a lot of great scripture about this. But in Romans 14, it says this, 
One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of you should be fully convinced in your own mind. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of you will give an account, well, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Okay, so what becomes sin is when I know that my conviction or my lack of conviction on something is a conviction for someone else and I do it anyway. Then I become a stumbling block. Then I can become tempting or an issue for someone else. You've got to have that inward conviction. That's a peace from heaven. You're going to need an inward witness like the word talks about. Sometimes in your life, just based on what you know, the Holy Spirit, because there's so many times where we'll have a conviction about something, but we'll be around other people. We may even be around other believers and they don't have that same conviction. But instead of responding to it, not in a judgmental way, like you guys are missing it, you're off. But of saying, no, we're we're not gonna do that because we have a personal conviction. If you guys are gonna do that, that's fine, but that's just not for us. It's not for our family. You've got to figure those things out in your life. Okay, because... The leadership principle behind this is important. Your lowest standard will be the highest standard of the people that you lead and influence. So if you don't have strong convictions about things, if you're influencing someone, and by the way, as a Christ follower, you are called to be salt and light. As a Christ follower, we are leading and influencing whether we want to or not when we say we're a Christian. But you know who we're leading and influencing the most? Our children. So when we make decisions that we're gonna allow small compromises into our home, you have to understand that your kids are watching that. And when they see you doing those things and they say, well, mom and dad do this. Well, they'll, that will be their highest standard, okay? But it'll give permission to them to justify a world of sin around it. See, we have to understand, we have to have these convictions. That inward witness. How many of you, as you've been raising kids, there comes a point where you're like, man, what do we want to, we're like, you're having a movie night. We, we have movie nights a lot of times on Friday nights with their family. So movie night, what are we gonna watch? Has there ever been a time where you're like, you remember a movie that you watched when you were a kid? You're like, man, that was such a good movie. Yeah, we should watch that movie. And then you start watching it. And it's horrible. It's like, I, you forgot how much, language and sexual content and all that just trash that's in that movie. And so like two things happen. First, you're like, my parents were horrible parents. You know, that's the first thing. But, the, the, but then you're like, you're feeling like, it's like, this is bad, you know? See, this has happened to us before. So we get a couple minutes in a movie and I turn that thing off and I say, kids, I am so sorry that your mom put that movie on for you guys. God, I'm sure when she watched that originally, it was before she knew Jesus, you know? But we're gonna pray. We're gonna ask the Lord to help us to forgive her and move on. I'm so sorry. Now, what happened? What happened is you see it different when it's your kids, you see it different. Your perception of your life will completely change when on a consistent basis, you recognize that Holy Spirit is in the room. He's in the room. And it'll be like, ooh, ah, man, I don't, I don't wanna do that and hurt my relationship with the Lord. I don't wanna do that and cause somebody to stumble. I don't wanna do that. The world wants your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, okay? The world wants your soul to boss around your spirit. 
I want my spirit to boss around my soul. I want the spirit of God to lead the way of my mind, will, and emotions, not the other way around. Amen? So how, how do I tune in to the leading? These are not in your notes, but this is the how. Here's the how. And we're gonna read back through the scripture and then I'm gonna give you some practical steps. Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Okay, so I wanna talk about that. Why is it talking about wine? Why is it talking about getting drunk? Okay, well, that was an issue, certainly for the Romans, but it is actually talking about a, a much broader subject of sin. Okay, because here's the thing. Drinking is not the issue. But anything that you do in your life that puts you in a position where you are no longer under control to be led by the Spirit of God and exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, that becomes sin. It doesn't matter what it is. So the moment that you surrender as an act of your will, you surrender the ability to be fully submitted and under control of the Word of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and to be able to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't matter what it is. As soon as that happens, that becomes sin. And that can happen with a lot of things. And some of you are like, well, I don't drink, so it's not a problem, okay? But you shop like a big dog. You are addicted to sliding your thumb across that screen so that Amazon will show up on your front porch. Well, how is that sin? Well, again, do you have an inward witness? But I would say at least it's not self-control. It's not patience. Those are fruit of the Spirit. Lots of things can become sin. But there are a few things, absolutely, yes, getting drunk is a sin, without a doubt, because you have surrendered your ability to be controlled by the Spirit. You're being controlled by a different Spirit. That's why they call them spirits. Here's your sign. It goes on to say this, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so what's the difference? Well, the difference is like when you, when you get filled with the Spirit, sometimes you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you start acting weird, different. The difference is this, when you're drunk in the Spirit, if you will, if you're drunk in the Spirit, it's gonna be all about bringing glory to God. It's gonna be all about building relationship and intimacy between you and Him. When you're drunk on wine, it's all about you. And it takes attention away from God and in fact can create a stumbling block for people that are trying to see God in you and through you. That's the difference, okay? It goes on to say this, addressing one another in Psalms, okay? Now in this context, this is instruction of the word. This is instruction of the word. And hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody. This is worship to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything, for everything, like the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, okay? So here's the steps. First of all, if you wanna be led by the Spirit, you have to submit to the standard of the Word. You submit to the standard of the Word. I love that it says speaking to one another in Psalms because Psalms is a great balance of truth and grace. There's encouragement in there, but there's also rebuke in there. And this is, this is part of what it means to be led by the Spirit. It means I'm gonna make the decision, this is my standard. Nothing else, this is my standard. This is, this is what tells me what's right and wrong. I'm gonna submit under this. And here's the thing, like I've already mentioned, he will not contradict his word. So if you're like, man, I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to do this, guess what? You can go back and check, cross-reference. Because if this doesn't support it, you, you need to be sure that you're hearing from the right spirit, that you're hearing from the spirit of God. Also, the lifestyle of worship, the lifestyle of worship. Why? Because the Holy Spirit fills an environment that's been filled up with worship. Because worship, by definition, is bringing something of worth which means that you are having to consciously make the decision that you're going to bring your energy, you're gonna bring your mind, you're gonna bring your emotions, you're bringing your soul 
You're bringing your soul before the Lord and you're saying, this is yours and I wanna glorify you through it. And every time that you make that, that, that decision consciously, the Holy Spirit will be in that place. And that's why it's important that worship is not an event or it's not just a part of a service, but it is a lifestyle. And everything that I do, I'm thinking, how am I gonna bring worth to the Lord by what I'm doing? I want my environment to be filled with worship. And sometimes it is music. Sometimes it is a service. But majority of it is just the conscious decision that every part of your life brings worth to the Lord, to his kingdom, for his glory. Also the spirit of thanksgiving. The spirit of thanksgiving. The Holy Spirit will add to the areas of your life where you recognize and appreciate that it's his hand doing it. He will increase the areas of your life where you recognize this is all because of him. Not because of my ability, not because I worked hard, but because he provides. And every time you're thankful and you recognize that, he will increase. He will increase. When you give thanksgiving to God, Holy Spirit reacts. And he says, you know what? There's more where that came from. It's the same thing with your kids. The kids that are thankful, like when they say thank you, you're like, oh, I'm gonna hook you up. And the ones that never say thank you, you're like, a little crumb snatcher. <laughs> Thankfully, God's a good God and he's a better parent than I am. And he blesses anyway, but he still is motivated by thankfulness and people to recognize it, what comes from him. And also the action of serving. The action of serving, because it says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. How are you showing reverence by serving or submitting? Because that was what Jesus did. He submitted himself to us. He served us. The Holy Spirit is a helper and he clings to helpers. He loves to help and he's looking for people who love to help that he can work through. The helper anoints those who love to serve and love to help. Because when you are serving, when you're serving, that's the closest that we get to physically, out of an act of our own free will, participate in what Jesus does, what Jesus came to do. He came to serve, first and foremost. Amen? So here in a little bit, we're gonna worship. And as we worship, and as you sing, as you bring your worth, I want you to think of some things that you're thankful for and thank him for it. And I also want you to ask, Holy Spirit, I need an idea. I need your help. Will you guide me with this situation, with this person, with whatever it is. Ask him to do that. And then be open to what he might say. Be open to the fact he might say it through someone else. Be open to the fact he might give you a verse that you go to that'll give you that direction. But I know without a doubt, if we're going ahead into 2023 with any kind of momentum, with any kind of blessing, we have to live in the charis. The only way we can do that is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. One of the first ways that the Holy Spirit leads us is when we come to a place of a recognition of our brokenness. We come to a recognition of our need for a savior. And some of you, that, that's the first, today, it's gonna be the first time that you opened yourself up to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because throughout this whole service, he's been trying to speak to you. He's trying to lead you. And ultimately where he's trying to lead you is to a place of reconciliation in relationship with him. And the truth is you've, 
always been meant to be a son or daughter of the King of Kings. You've always been meant to be reconciled and to walk in a purpose, plan that he has for you. The word says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and sin separates us from a holy God. And the only way that we can come to him is through a perfect sacrifice. That's Jesus. He died on the cross. He became the perfect sacrifice for us. And it's you recognizing that because you need him, you can't pay the price for yourself. You recognize that you needed him to die on the cross for you. And the great thing is this, powerful thing is he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. By the power of God, he rose from the grave. And because of that, we have the hope of heaven. But he also defeated death and sin. So that means that you don't have to be held captive to sin any longer. It isn't to say you're gonna be perfect going forward. You're gonna make mistakes, but the great thing is that sin is paid for. And if you walk in a place, submission to the Lord, you walk out what we call repentance, meaning you've made the decision, you're gonna stop, you're gonna turn away from living for yourself or living for the world, and you're gonna walk towards the things of God. And when you walk that out, His grace, His forgiveness, it's there. If you're here today and you just recognize right now, man, he is, he's been speaking to me. Maybe he's been speaking to you for a while. Maybe it's just been in this service where you're recognizing, man, I don't have a genuine relationship with the Lord. I've never truly surrendered to him. I've always known about him. I have knowledge of him, but I've never truly surrendered to him. I've still kind of held on or I feel like I did, but honestly, I've just, I've just been going through the motions. I've even come to church. I've been doing the religious stuff, but I've never really genuinely submitted to him. And it's a conflict for some of us because some of you may think, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. So I, I know, I know I'm good. The reality is this, there are no good people. Because if you've sinned even once in your entire life, that sin separates you from a holy God. None of us are good. We need a good and perfect God. And he provided a way, but your goodness doesn't get you into heaven. It's only God's plan through his son, Jesus. And that's what Jesus said, the only way to the Father is through me. And if you're here and the Holy Spirit's telling you it's time, I wanna give you a chance to respond to him. And I'm not gonna point you out, but I wanna, be, I wanna give you an opportunity to be bold and just submit it. Just confess it between me, you and the Lord, it's me. And as an act of your own free will, are you willing to say it's, it's you? And if that's you, I want you to put your hand up right now. Cross this room, let's make, make eye contact and then you can put your hand down. Yes, sir, got it, got it. Got you, bro. Yes, anyone else? I'm ready to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. So proud of you guys. The Lord loves you. He's proud of you. Anyone else? I'm ready to submit my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. Anyone else? I need you, Jesus. I'm away from you. I'm tired of playing games. I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm gonna give my life completely to you. Anyone else? Thank you, thank you. Every once in a while, I feel like the Lord just says, hey, there's someone that's stubborn like you. Uh, so just give them a second. And I wanna give you that second because I understand what it's like to be stubborn. But I wanna, I wanna tell you, don't miss this. Today is the day of your salvation. Let's do this thing. Is there anyone else ready to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Got it, thank you, thank you, okay. Well, here's the thing, you raising your hand is not what gets you saved, but I just know like anytime I, I move as an act of my free will, I, the grace of God hits me. And so I know you understand that right now. You felt that, like as soon as you raise your hand, it's just like, man, it's like the burden is beginning to be lifted. You can feel the grace of God 
You can feel his presence coming on you. But let's just talk to him. So we need to confess some things and we need to ask for some things. So you can just pray a prayer like this. Say, Jesus, I need you because I'm a sinner. My sin separates me from you. I believe that you came and you died on the cross for my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me. I thank you, Jesus, that you didn't stay dead. You rose from the grave. And because of that, death is defeated and I have the hope of heaven. My sin is defeated so I can walk and live in freedom in you. God, I also wanna fulfill my purpose in you. I wanna walk in the caros of life. And so I invite you, Spirit of the living God, to come and lead me, guide me, fill me up. I need you. And I thank you that as I pursue my purpose in you, you're gonna lead me according to your word. You're gonna help me get connected to the body of Christ so I can become a disciple. I submit to you and I give you my life. I repent, I turn towards you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for paying the price for me, for loving me like that. Lord, I, I thank you for every person that made that decision. And God, I pray that you would help all of us to just refocus. Even if it's in the next few minutes as we worship you one more time, God, would you help us to refocus? We help us to, to turn to you, Holy Spirit encounter you and be led by you in Jesus' name. Six or seven people raise their hand to give their life to Jesus. Come on, let's give God a hand for that. Let's praise his name in this place.